2: All right, well, speaking of great Brett Veach finds, we're already seeing a lot of these rookies from this draft have an impact. I mean, you can't say enough about Brett Veach either. We've seen big plays from Watson, Carl Loftus, Pacheco, the list goes on. What stands out to you guys the most from this rookie class?
0: First, Kayla, I think you should officially put in a request for Brett Veach. You guys are close personal friends.
2: I will. I will, Cody.
0: Let's get Brett Veach on the show. Let's start there because I want to compliment him to his face. What Brett Veach has done the last two years in the NFL draft is borderline incredible. Jalen Watson, Karloftis, Pacheco, Sky Moore, Chanel, McDuffie, Cook, those all have contributed to this year's team. Last year, they had five contributors from the draft. This is not a normal hit rate. Um, We say that about Mahomes or other guys. This has been the whole podcast. It's not normal what Kelsey's doing. It's not normal what Mahomes is doing. It sure as hell isn't normal the current hit rate for Brad Feech. The only, and I do mean only, and it would be a small complaint you could have is, he's not finding a bunch of stars yet at wide receiver. But I don't know, man. Tripp McDuffie plays a valuable position, and for the one game, he looked great. George Karloftis looks the part. And I think more importantly, we don't have to do this down year talk of let's not put Super Bowl, like, up with the Bills Super Bowl stuff on them for a half a year because we're trying to figure out who they are. They're right back at the top. I have no less expectations than I did before, and that's because what Brett Beach did in the draft this year.
1: I think you, you know, you have different expectations for different players depending on where they were drafted. But like if we're just starting at the top, Tripp McDuffie, George Karloftis, first round picks, you expect them to be two contract players. Right? Like we can talk about stardom. Yeah. I think that's always way too lofty. I don't care where you're drafting them, even if you're drafting in the top 10. The hope should just be that they can be a high quality starter for you for more than just their rookie contract. Correct. So the hope for me with McDuffie and Karloftis is that in four years, the Chiefs are like, okay, let's lock this guy up for another three or four because we want him to be a part of our long term future. Everybody else, I mean, second round, maybe to the same extent, but there's a little bit less pressure on it. What's been so impressive to me is that the guys, maybe a little bit later on in the draft. I mean, Jalen Watson is as impressive as any of these guys simply because he is on the roster and he's playing and yeah. he's not getting exposed. And he's one of
0: two seventh round picks who are playing a lot same, for the same team. thing
1: with Pacheco. Now, maybe I highlight Watson a little bit more because of his position. We've seen running backs who get passed over in the draft, have a little bit more success. Cornerback's a premium position. I mean, teams will spend top 10 picks on cornerbacks if they think that they're the goods. This guy's seventh round pick. Those guys usually don't make the team. He's made the team. He's playing and he looks like he belongs. As of right That now, he's is starting. Yeah. And I, he got scored on by Mike Evans. Guess what? A lot of cornerbacks in the NFL get scored on by Mike Evans because he's Mike Evans and he's a physical freak. So, I'm not digging him for that whatsoever. I don't know how long Jalen Watson will play for the Chiefs or what the, the future holds, but the immediate return on investment for this draft has been shockingly good. You know
0: you know what it is? It's like, if he didn't get that pick right, Nick, um, who the hell would they be starting while well, McDuffie's heard? DeAndre Baker? Mike Hughes? These are the type of corners they've had in the previous years. Hell, DeAndre Baker was on this. He was on like the, the practice squad cut line. Going So it's probably him? I, I don't know about you. I guess he let up a touchdown to Mike Evans. I don't think it would have gone better for DeAndre Baker. I feel like it would have gone significantly worse. He drafted so well, he could cover a, a, a first-round draft pick injury immediately with a different rookie, not some veteran he stuck around who's okay and you're taking a chance on. He immediately moved another guy. And look, you would have logically thought it was Joshua Williams. Under a normal draft, I would complain that Joshua Williams is not a part of this unit. But wouldn't that seem kind of uh, hollow if I said, you know, um, fourth round pick on Joshua Williams, guys. It'd be cool if uh, if you got him involved and like, well, I mean, you know, he has gotten production out of Watson, Karloftis, Pacheco, recently Sky Moore, Cooks played a little bit more, McDuffie. I have to put to bed a little bit the idea that I I used to have complaints or worries about Brett Veach's drafting ability and honestly most of those concerns are gone now.
2: Question for you guys. Maybe this is a question we ask Brett when he comes on. Um Sam Presti is my favorite in the NBA just because of what he does draft wise and he just has this like genius way of I don't know finding the right the right picks. Do you think what Brett Beach does is that Is that luck? Is it just having a knack for it? Is it just being really good at your job? Is it the whole Andy reconnection and how they're so in sync and on the same page? What is it about him and drafting stars? I I
0: think that he, um, I'll say this. I I think that he did the normal thing, Kayla, where it took him a couple of years to actually like get up, get ready. And there were a few drafts where you didn't really like it. Um, But I think he has a knack for finding late round talent. Um borderline, like I don't know if he's gifted, but like borderline gifted at it because if you go back through all of his drafts, like get rid of the first one because that's that is what it is. You're just not gonna do that. Um, pretty much every draft. His first draft stinks. So I'm I'm going to eliminate it. Nick Allegretti started for them at guard. He was a seventh-round pick in the Super Bowl. Rashad Fenton still starts for them. He was a sixth-round pick. Michael Dana is a rotational defensive end in the fifth. LeJerry sneed is a starting corner in the fourth trey smith is their starting guard in the sixth pacheco and jalen watson are playing a lot right now in the seventh you can't tell me that that's an accident that's a gift he's good at it he's better mm-hmm. at finding late round talent than other gms
1: well what i think it is more than anything else when you get to the late rounds they haven't scouted all these players the way that they scout the early round guys right when when you're looking at Trent McDuffie and, and George Karloftis and Sky Moore, you're watching every single snap that they took in college. When you get to the late round, there is no way for any GM to know how this is going to translate. If you did, then you would have drafted him in the first or the second round. Yeah. I think when you look at guys like uh, Pacheco and and Jalen Watson, since they're the two that we're highlighting here, you're just looking for tools. You're looking for this is what he does well. We know that there are plenty of dings against them. That's why they're borderline undrafted players. But in the case of Pacheco, I think they saw this guy's really fast and he's really strong. In the case of Jalen Watson, they saw this guy is tall, long, rangy, and has a knack for making plays. Yeah, there's a lot of cons. There's a, there's a laundry list of reasons for all these guys as to why they may not make it in the NFL. But what the Chiefs do is identify the tools that they think fit their system and then from there you hope that the development process and the acclimation period for going from college to the nfl worked and in the case of those two guys it's worked really really well i do want to say one thing by the way like george karloftis even though i said that you shouldn't expect guys to be stars i'm convinced george karloftis is going to be a star if not a star he is gonna be one of those guys that's just like like a Carlos Dunlap type who's routinely racking up eight or nine sacks, even though he doesn't have one yet. Uh it's coming because he is constantly in the backfield hounding quarterbacks.
0: Kayla, would you wear a Georgie Porgy Pudding Pie t shirt if Nick sent it to you? Do you wanna send Absolutely. do you wanna Do you have your phone, Nick? We're doing this on video. Do you can you sh- can yeah. you show her a picture of what
2: I saw Nick, it on did social you... the other night, I think. Did yeah. you put it on Twitter?
0: He probably did. He tried to put it I up did. on, we have a show t-shirt site that we sold some Bobby Wood junior shirts for and some other reasons. Nick tried to put it up and it was very quickly hit with the copyright infringement. They're onto him. <laughs> They're to him. Took all the,
1: I will wear
2: any shirt you give me. I love a good t-shirt. Absolutely. Sure. I'll wear that. I have one of uh, Andy Reed dabbing.
0: Wow. Oh, okay, you know what? I take it back. That might've been the most you missed on Sunday. What did you think of Andy Reid's commercial appearance?
2: His acting debut? I'm obsessed. Also, was that a play on Friends? That's a Friends episode where Ross writes on Rachel when she falls asleep when they're going to Vegas. It's I like my like two this, favorite things in one commercial.
0: I was going to say, I think this is the second Friends reference you have made since we started this podcast. It definitely it's is. i it surprised so it's
2: is. not more. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think just, we found Taylor's wait, favorite guys. show. Honestly, <laughs> Andy completely underplayed it. He was saying yesterday, he's like, "Oh, you know, you know, I'm not really good at those things." I'm like, "Shut up, you were the best <laughs> actor in that whole commercial. He was better than Mahomes. Mahomes been doing it for three years."
2: I'm gonna see. I'm gonna need to see more collaborations between those two, whether it be State Wait. Farm or anything else. Over
0: under zero point five more commercials, Andy Reid accent. Over. I don't know, man. I don't know. He wants to do it. Hey, I think Andy likes like
1: football. The door is open now. Like, once the door is open, you can't just say he's never going to do it again. We, If I would have asked you a week ago, you'd say, Cody, you would have bet your life savings that Andy Reid would never do a commercial. Well, he just did one.
0: Yeah, it's probably true. I wasn't anticipating it. It was very confusing in the middle of the game that Andy was even in it. Because, I don't know, man. He just, he seems like the guy, like people are like, how long do you think Andy will coach for? Forever. Because I can't imagine Andy doing another job. He's not going to be a TV analyst. Like, Nick, I think you would – we'd even joke. To be like, you think Andy would ever just be a TV analyst? And I said it was more likely that he's the, the like, passing game coordinator for Toledo than he is an NFL analyst. <laughs> like, I could see him coaching high school football before he decided to be a an analyst. I think Andy yeah. likes
1: being a coach. Well, guess what? You know who else we think only cares about football? Nick Saban. And then Athlak came with that bag – And now he's (laughs) high fiving computer animated geese on television. Or is it a duck?
0: Dude, and Andy's 10 times the entertainer of Nick Saban because Nick Saban stinks. He's boring. He's not funny. It's
2: a great point. Great point. All right, one last question for you guys as we quickly close out the show. Uh, Scoring is down league wide. We've seen these top offenses running the ball or doing just like having a short passing game. For example, only five of Mahomes' 37 pass attempts against Tampa were 15-plus yards down the field. They also had the third most rushing yards in a game since Mahomes took over as a starter. What's the reason behind this?
0: I think it's because everyone decided to run the Mahomes defense on everybody. You know that whole, like, cover two, we're just going to put everyone back, never blitz? Turns out they're going to do that for everyone. They're going to do that for Joe Burrow, who's struggling, Matt Stafford, who's struggling, and their offensive line stinks, so that doesn't help. They're, they – they decided to do it. They're doing it for Aaron Rodgers, who's struggling, to the Patriots. It doesn't matter your team. They're doing it to you, including Russell Wilson and others. Seven of the top 10 scoring offenses are not what you would call big named quarterback teams. And just like I could go year for year if you wanted to, it doesn't really matter. But just so you know, most of the top scoring offenses have great quarterback situations or really good quarterback situations. Last year, Dallas, Tampa Bay, Buffalo, Kansas City, the Chargers and the Rams were the top six. Those sound like the teams that you would assume have some of the best quarterback and offensive mind coaching situations. This year, the teams in the top 10 include Detroit, Philadelphia, who people did not see coming, but are an excellent running team, Jacksonville, Cleveland, Atlanta, and Vegas. You know what they do? Run. They run the ball really well. I think the rest of the league hasn't caught up. And I think the reason Andy's having success is he had to deal with it all year. I think that's very simply put. I think running's gonna matter more this year than it normally does, having a good rushing offense.
1: And what did we see against Tampa? We saw the Works Chiefs there. go for 189. It's the third most they'd had, right? And the Bucs go for three. Is that how many
0: rushing yards they had? Three? Minus three? Whatever that's
1: it was. On six attempts. <laughs> I think we crunched those numbers on Sunday's episode. Half a yard,
0: one half of yard yeah. for
1: Gary. You know, this is, I, I think some of that will, some of that's going to buff out. I'll tell you this right now. I'm just going to go ahead and throw out a bold prediction. Atlanta will not remain one of the top 10 offenses in the NFL. Well, the Patterson being season. hurt probably doesn't help. Come on, dude. It's Marcus Mariota at quarterback. No. You think that's sustainable for 17 games? Like Some of this is going to regress a little bit, but I do think there's something to it. The Chiefs spent all offseason and most of last year having to sort of try and adjust to getting the ball out quickly. There's the first thing Mahomes said in the postgame interview on the field with NBC. Thought we had a good game plan. I got the ball out quick. That tells you they knew exactly what Tampa was going to do. They're going to get the ball out quick. They're going to run the ball well. It remains to be seen if the Chiefs are going to be able to run with consistency. That's the one thing that I want to see maybe a few more times before I'm all in on, wow, this team knows how to run the ball now. Because they just simply have not done that consistently really at any point. There was a stretch at the end of last year when Daryl kind of got hot, but I want to see this team with the running backs, not Patrick Mahomes ending the game with 40, 50 yards where he just sort of takes off at the end of a broken play. I want to see this team run the ball with consistency before I'm ready to like fully commit to this team being able to beat these types of defenses.
2: I'm going to bring the podcast full circle here. Uh, Nick, do you ever get that you look like Justin Timberlake?
1: Oh, my God. This is not with a the
2: hat person. and the beard, like I person. can totally see it.
0: He usually gets Lincoln Riley, the head coach of now USC. But I see
2: that too.
1: So about four years ago, I just got a fresh haircut, really nice fade. Beard was faded. I mean, everything was really tight. It was like a a guy I was calling high school football with. Uh, He was like 55 years old. And he said, you know, you kind of look like Justin Timberlake. And I said, well, coming from you, no offense. Like, I don't think that's going to carry much weight. (laughs) Then... And then about a year ago, someone else said it. I immediately turned to my girlfriend. I was like, hey, so-and-so said I looked like Justin Timberlake. And she was like, okay, well, yeah, whatever. But now three times, when it happens three times, I don't think you can deny it. So henceforth, I will accept any and all comparisons. So thank you, Kayla.
2: You're welcome. I'm actually really good at this game. I I can always figure out who someone looks like. So
1: Wait, who does Cody look like? I don't think
0: I want this answer.
2: Still I still TBD. I'd, I'll have to think about okay. it some more.
0: Okay. We'd like an answer by the next podcast.
2: Okay. What a that, That'll be my homework. What record. a way. What a
1: cliffhanger to end the episode.
0: Like, oh. subscribe, download wherever you get your podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get them. Apple doesn't matter. Spotify, if you're going to want to find out who Kayla thinks I look like.
2: We will be back with you on Monday for your Monday night football preview. So back with you on Monday. That's going to do it for our Wednesday episode. I'm Kayla Canaram. That is Cody Tapp. He is Nick Schwartz slash Justin Timberlake. And once again, don't forget to like, subscribe. This is the It's Always Game Day in Kansas City podcast. We will be back with you on Monday.